it's on the designer to ask for these inputs as well. Because if they're not, then what are they doing? They're just literally making shit up. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of From A to B. We have Shiva here and I'm joined by Erin, all she does is win Weigel, who I've definitely pronounced her name properly on the first chance that I got to pronounce your name properly. 100%, totally validated, verified, correct. <laughs> and we didn't have a recording of this again, so I could actually nail it properly. Anyway, Erin, I wanted to have you on this episode around how to make designers give a shit about experimentation. Before we jump in, I want to tell our listeners a quick story of how we met. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. I remember it. The first time we e-met was screaming at each other on one of my LinkedIn posts about button color tests not mattering. Yes. And there was a lot of hostility. I probably started it, to be fair. I was like at CXL Live and I saw this person who I've never met before talking about button colors being the best thing in the world. And I'm just like, I'm not here for this. This sounds like a Neil Patel person. You can fuck right <laughs> off. That was my mindset. That was could not be the furthest thing from correct. I think we had a chance to like virtually e-meet and holy shit, you are such a pleasant person. I think the cat's out of the bag. I nominated you as a CRO that uh, you have to meet for experimentations like top CROs you need to meet. What a wild story and journey that we've had that we went from like stepbrothers of like worst enemies to like, did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely argued online first. I was like, who is this asshole? What does he know about colors? Ah! I was like, I'm going to tell him uh, from the internet. Uh, we started talking. I don't even know why we started talking. I don't even know how that happened. I want to say it was you <laughs> saying like you being the adult because I am I have not been known to be the adult. <laughs> I'm not really much an adult type of person. So I was probably just like, why do you hate them so much? Can you help me understand? Is there something I'm not seeing? Well, I think that's a testament to the type of person that you are is like, I'm OK being wrong, but let's understand your point of view. Let's understand your perspective. And that was the most natural transition I can make to get into the topic for today. In my experience, I've dealt with designers who have maybe been hippos in their own right, highest paid person's opinion. But I really wanted to dig into the mindset of a designer. There are certain designers who I have had very deep relationships with in terms of being best friends. They've partnered with the CRO team and myself. It's been great. But there have been some challenging designers. So I guess first question, are you a challenging designer? Or are you a designer that people want to work with? I have no idea. You're going to have to ask other people that. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm qualified <laughs> to answer that question. I annoy myself at a certain point because I do feel like I say the same things over and over again. Like, is it accessible? How will you measure the success of that? So I feel like a broken record most of the time reading usability reports and like sending them to people. So I get annoyed by myself because I feel like I'm just repeating things over and over again. Maybe I'm annoying to work with. But I don't know. I'm not a good, I don't know if I'm good or bad. It's fine. I think your mindset with this is the right way. It's what is the usability? You're asking a bunch of questions and your mindset is one that CROs should love. That is, let's dig into why. You are asking questions about designs. You're not just saying my design's the best design because some designer at Apple was my mentor. So I just know. You're coming into this conversation with like, let's learn together. 
that's why I kind of want to throw your question back at you to say you're asking, like, how do we get designers to give a shit about this stuff? But my question to you would be like, how are you defining designers? Like, who are these designers that you're talking about? Because I feel like there's so many ways to interpret that word and it means different things to different people. So describe to me what you consider to be a designer. The classic David Mannheim question Define personalization. I don't care about what the definition is. Semantics matter, Shiva. I agree. I agree. So let me say my mindset of a designer is someone who is literally in Figma building mockups and wireframes. That's my POV of someone who would be a partner coming to the table to help you give you prototypes to test, give you designs to test. That is the mindset. Someone who's literally the creative type putting pen to paper, pixels on the Figma mockup of designs to actually be testing or implementing. Cool. So the way I would define that then is how you're describing a designer is a lowercase d designer because there's like lowercase d designers and there's uppercase d designers. I consider myself to be more of an uppercase d designer who also knows how to do lowercase d design, if that makes any sense. I consider lowercase d designers to be people that like bring shape and form to ideas so that way you can put them in some sort of testable form or that way people can interact with it so that you can learn from stuff. And typically, they'd be like visual designers, UI designers, prototyping designers. There's like a vast canyon of design type names that you can put in front of the word design. So design has like a whole bunch of sub-disciplines within it. And I think maybe you're struggling with lowercase d designers because I also remember I like on one of your LinkedIn posts, I was like calling you a designer because you're a capital D designer, I think, right? You might not do the lowercase d design of things, but I think design, capital D design, is a way of looking at, thinking about, and interacting with the world around you and doing it with a certain degree of intention and curiosity. And then the rest of it, like bringing form to those things, that's just lowercase d design, which is also important, but design is a really big spectrum. So to spit that back at you, a designer in your mindset is someone who's basically taking problems and creating solutions from those problems. Yeah. Maybe you're not literally putting pen on paper of designing, drawing, but you are conceptualizing that's a lowercase d designer creates a more testable solution. Fair to say? Yeah, exactly. I feel like on the other, so like on the lowercase d design, and it's not saying that one's more important than another. They're just different skills to have. I mean, I'm more important than the other, to be fair. Okay, yeah, I completely understand. Like <laughs> uppercase, if it's bigger, it must be better, right? We're both American. So like, and you're in Texas, for God's sake. That's like- I'm saying. The capital of everything big. So like you got the lowercase d over here on one side of the spectrum and you have the uppercase d on the other side and the uppercase d design side, you'll find things people calling themselves like strategic designers or UX designers because they're more in the problem discovery space. And then the closer you get to the solution and the bringing shape and form to the design is where you get closer to the lowercase d. So maybe it's like capital D is like the top of the funnel ideas are and then like the lowercase d is like the bottom of the funnel where you're actually like delivering something to be put out into the world in an actual serious way there are some folks that do believe that designers are throwaways like oh you could just have an ai build it like it's a it's a useless job i don't need your help all you do is just copy what patterns everyone else is doing like yeah. lowercase d designers are incredibly important to everything that we need to do. Maybe that's a challenge that I would give to you or a question I would give to you is 
Is there maybe that a CRO comes to a designer and maybe that's the reason why a lowercase d designer might be frustrated? Yes. They're like kind of being talked at to like, just build this thing I told you to do rather than giving them the creative freedom to be creative. That's the easiest way to piss off a designer is to just come to them and say, can you make this for me? Because they start at the point of, well, what problem are you solving for people? Right. So if you don't start at the, what problem is this causing for people? What impact do you think it will have on the business? It's like a big insult kind of, I think, for for most capital D designers or people that consider themselves more than just a, like a delivery function. Yeah, that's definitely, they're probably like, who is this person not realizing what a designer is? Because when you think about what the word design thinking is, you know, all those human-centered design thinking methodologies, it's all about starting with research, understanding human behavior, identifying problems, and then coming up with solutions to those problems. So it's really about problem solving. So when you come in and ask them to execute on the solution to a problem, they'll have all like thousands of questions that you had to work your way through. And then they'll feel kind of at a loss and then not know how to design the best thing, the best solution, because they haven't fully understood the problem and who they're building it for and all that jazz. Does that make sense? Totally. So sometimes CROs might get frustrated when they propose a test idea and people challenge that test idea and say, it's a dumb idea. Why are you doing this? And I think that could be on the CRO to better explain why they're testing what they're doing. It starts to me with always that problem statement. This is the research problem statement hypothesis into the solutions. In that same way, a designer can be just, if not more frustrated that you're, you as a designer are being tasked to solution and you're not given all the inputs. You're just like, build this super narrow thing. And is that an insult to designers? Yeah, completely. If this is like a behavior that people have, and I know I've experienced it, it's extremely infuriating because it tells me that the person that I'm talking to does not understand what design is, nor do they understand the function of a designer within a team, which is why I'm really big into the idea of like working together on small cross-disciplinary teams where everybody goes through all of the phases together before they come up with solutions. I advocate even, you know, not only CRO people, but designers, the engineers, the researchers, for everybody to go through all of the phases of the design process together so that way they're all on the same page and seeing the problems from their own perspectives and then leveraging the collective intelligence of the group. I feel like everybody should do it together. So that's a very kumbaya moment, right? We need to make sure we all put it together and walk together on this road. I think that's a meta conversation that I'm going to have these conversations with engineers and brand managers as well. But keeping it more specific to designers, I want to unlock the mindset of that designer a little bit more. Because I think talking to a designer and understanding what makes them tick and what makes them go versus maybe what frustrates them. I'm curious on your POV on this. Is it a lack of trust or a perception of lack of trust that if you guardrail them, you don't give them all the inputs? Is there something to a designer not feeling like they're entirely trusted that leads them to be frustrated with CRO and saying, you don't trust me that I'll do a good job or you don't trust me that my design's better than the original. So I don't want to work with you. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's part of it. But I also think it has to do with 
I think you touched on this before. It's like giving them all the access, the information that they need to be able to do a good job. If you don't show them all of the research and if they don't have that ability to do the discovery, they don't have good depth of understanding of the problem that they're trying to solve to design the best possible solution. So I think it is about lack of trust, but it's also about like putting their hands behind their back and not giving them the tools that they need to do their best work possible. Because I'm sure that they could just draw some rectangles and make shit line up and make sense. (laughs) But at the end of the day, the execution of that is going to be much lower level than if people actually knew all of the motivations that they were solving for or like the user patterns that people are used to, then they could really come up with an excellent solution than just drawing some boxes. So tactically, it does seem like one of the easiest solutions is just build a nice relationship with them that's built on trust, talk to them, give them all the information that they need to actually build a design. Don't just say, here's a Jira ticket for this design. Here's some examples, build this out. I've seen this work in my experience working with designers where I don't even give them I give them maybe some examples. I'm like, this is... I got to get my dog. Give me a second. I'm okay, sorry. okay, that's fine. Outside of my typical day job, I can see how and why somebody might call me a CRO person, like a conversion rate optimization specialist, but there's no way I would ever call myself that because when I think about what that means to other people... To me, that's just being a good designer, understanding the problem that you're needing to solve for whom and executing it in a way that has a positive impact on the business is literally what designers are hired for. I think there's a pretty big overlap between good design and good CRO, which also might cause some of the tension that you have with a good designer. If you're working with a good designer, they're probably going to be upset that you're not bringing them in earlier in the process. And if you're working with a bad designer, then they're probably not going to be interested in testing. So we're kind of like getting the bad end of both sticks, if that's a thing. Let me regurgitate that to you. Because I think what you're doing is actually validating that CROs, when they work with designers that don't push on data capture, on problem statements, on actually understanding the why behind it, you're almost giving cover for CROs not providing and saying a little bit of the onus is actually on the designer to ask for those things as well. In addition to the CRO giving it. Yeah. It's on the designer to ask for these inputs as well. Because if they're not, then what are they doing? They're just literally making shit up, right? (laughs) Like, what are you going to use other than your own opinion and your own preferences to make something or your own experience? Well, I think that's a good point, too. And I want to push you on that because I do know of designers who do have that mindset. I've I've talked to some product owners who believe there's no testing needed. You just conduct enough research and you just have enough good designers and then it's just better. I'm not saying that's the right way to say that, but that does exist. How would you give advice to someone who's an experimentation manager working with a complicated designer? How do you get them to be on your team rather than my design's good? I don't need you to test it. Here's something that people might not know about people who go through a traditional design education. I'm a super art nerd. I have a bachelor's degree in fine art. I'm actually a painter, but I took a lot of classes in design as well. And there is a strong critique culture that we're trained in. So basically, you're given these assignments that you have like a week or two to work on. And then what you do is you work on them, you throw a whole bunch of them away, and then you come back and then you maybe show your best three options. People tear them apart with nothing other than their opinion most of the time. Well, I don't like that color. Did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. They tear it apart. You feel awful. Some people cry. And then you learn how to defend your work over time. So it's kind of like a confidence building exercise and like 
on the fly, almost bullshitting your way through the process of having your work torn to the ground and justifying every small decision that you've made. So if you're now brought into a professional business environment where you are expected from an experimentation perspective to say, well, actually, I don't know. We could try this. We could try that. We could try this. That's the opposite of how we are trained in most schools to critique culture. It's almost like PTSD, right? Like when the CRO comes in, like you should try this. They're like, I remember that time I got scolded at for my design that I thought was badass. And my art teacher just tore me a new one. Yeah, I got an F. And I think there's a... They gave me an F on that assignment, you know? So there's a little bit of like, be human with them. And I think my advice has generally been, be a partner. Like, I'm not trying to call your baby ugly. And I think that's a challenge that CROs have to be tasteful in the way that they approach these conversations to say, I think this is really good. I want to prove that your design is really good with quantitative data. It's a partnership to say, I want to help you look good. That perspective makes a ton of sense that you have to like have thick skin to be a designer. Like if you don't have confidence, why are you designing? But then I guess the flip side is like, I think you said this in your book. What was it? Test like you're right. No, design like you're right, test like you're wrong. That's like a pretty common mantra that's around. It's in my book, but it's not attributed to me. People much smarter than me said it. I don't know their names off the top of my head, but I do have it in a footnote. But yeah, no, you need to design like you're right because a lot of designers like we're putting our work out there in some cases to hundreds of millions to billions of people every day to have it influence their lives in massive ways you have to have a certain level of arrogance to think oh yeah of course i've made this thing it's gonna be great you know let's put it in front of these hundreds of millions of people or just ignorance of like not even knowing how many people your design is actually going to impact but then you need to go back and then have enough humility to say did i actually make that better or did I actually screw things up by accident? And is there anything to learn from that? I think if you're a good designer, you have to have a weird balance of confidence in your abilities and the research that you've done up to a certain point to put it out into the real world, but then enough skepticism to realize that you don't know how things are going to be perceived or how people are going to use things in ways you could never imagine. And then it becomes like the learning opportunity. It's interesting to put yourself in the mindset of someone else. And I think that's one of the exercises that I hope to accomplish in this episode was CROs are just a different breed of people. The way we approach things are a little bit different. I know we have like, what's a CRO versus a designer? But I think the person running the test versus the person helping to design the test, two different skill sets, and they could be a little bit different. It's a worthwhile exercise to put yourself in that mindset. If we could wrap with some Aaron, all she does is win tips. What would those be? What would be the maybe the top two or three things you would take away from CROs trying to partner with lowercase d designers? So first of all, I don't know where you're getting this Aaron, all she does is win middle name because I have... That's your nickname. No, since when? Who decided that? I did. Yeah, but have you seen my stats? All I I primarily lose. <laughs> Don't prove me wrong, Aaron. It just seems like all you, you do is win. No, if you look at the data, I primarily lose and I win sometimes enough to make things better. I don't look at the data. What do you think I am? <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Just so we're all clear, you have to update your LinkedIn tagline to say, Aaron, all I do is win. Yeah, that's your name. Sorry. Totally. totally. And I'm going to like, I'm going to steal the hashtag winning thing from what is it? Charlie Sheen? Definitely. I'll, I'll do that <laughs> right now. I'm just going to like overtake the winning hashtag. Cool. Uh, so I think 
before I got derailed by this new nickname that I have. You asked, like, what are some tips that I would have? What are the takeaways? So, like, you are a CRO person, experimentation manager. You're working with designers. What would be the things you would tell that experimentation person? Just consider these things because these are the ways that designers, lowercase these designers, tend to work. Here's some tips to make sure that you guys can kumbaya together rather than have a what full circle moment you and I yelling on LinkedIn type of moment would be. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to put my people manager hat on for a minute and I'm going to say probably the best thing that you can do when you're working either with a new designer or a new team is to have a roles and responsibilities session where you all discuss what your own personal strengths and weaknesses are and what you can bring to the table and what you are willing to give up to allow somebody else who might be better at it than you are do. So I would definitely say start with some sort of team building exercise where you can all discuss expectations of who does what. Because like I said previously, CRO people and designers, whatever those things mean, have a pretty big overlap in their areas of responsibility. So make those agreements up front, stick to them and check in periodically. I would maybe educate yourself on what design is and how they might be thinking about their own role. So that way you understand why they might want to be brought in earlier in the process than what you typically might be bringing them in on. When you say educate yourself, you mean understand what it means to be a designer. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to know exactly how to design a page. You have all the principles, you have art theory background, but you understand how hard it is to be an actual lowercase d designer. So you can appreciate the work that that person actually puts into it. It's these designers don't just like copy and paste the Figma file and like tweak the fonts. Like it's a lot of fucking work to get there. So you should appreciate that and not just say like, all right, you just test colors. It's a lot more. It's a lot bigger than that. Also, there are bad designers out there, too. So I'm not giving designers like a free pass to be terrible at their job and to have people understand them because I have come across many an awful designer. And those are the ones that will just say, oh, I like it better this way. Or they're clearly designing for themselves right. or you know, you ask them questions about different design patterns for different platforms and they just kind of do whatever they want, not because it's matching the mental model of that platform that people use, but because they think it's an innovative thing, which could then completely ruin your experiment. So there are definitely terrible designers out there. Makes me want to like write something to say, here's how you know if you're working with a good designer. Here's how you know if you're working with a bad designer. I think I have to have you on for a part two episode of that. Yeah, totally. I'm happy to just put things in categories uh, willy nilly and then just stand behind them arbitrarily and then change my mind later. Let's do it. Anything else you want to lead on? Yeah. So like another thing is we scare the shit out of designers with the kind of language that we use. When I think about myself, I went to art school and I got into design because math terrifies me. I didn't go to school to be a scientist. I went to school to learn how to communicate visually with people and to connect with people, you know? So when you start using words like statistical significance and showing them graphs that you're asking them to interpret and not just make look nicer, it can be a little bit intimidating. Be willing to explain what things mean or just ask them, do you understand what I'm talking about when I say this? Or, hey, have you ever seen one of these graphs before? Or do you know how this works? Because I think nobody likes to admit that they don't know something and right. learning about this stuff might not come so naturally to most designers because math typically uses the other side of people's brains. Think about the words you're using. Let me ask you one final question before we transition. What do designers care about? Good designers or bad designers? Or both? <laughs> Take that what you will, because I'm curious how you would okay. answer that. So good designers, what we care about, I'm going to put myself in the good designer bucket because I can or just 
arbitrarily saying that I am. Aaron, all she does is win is definitely a good designer in my Clearly, opinion. clearly. Um, yeah. So good designers, the thing that we care about most is identifying problems that people experience and solving them in a way that is beneficial to as many stakeholders in the process as possible. It's about finding those big, meaty problems that are very complex, tugging on one thing and seeing how it moves, and then finding the exact right position that it needs to be in so that everybody benefits as much as possible. But it starts with solving a problem for people and then finding the best or the most optimal solution is what I think they care about or what they should care about. Love it. That's the common thing that unifies CROs and good designers is that common approach towards holding hands and working towards those solutions together with a shared basis of problems. Yeah. That we agree upon. And I think like what designers, people would typically call a designer is they lean more towards the aesthetic function, like the aesthetics of a solution to a problem. Whereas like I always start on the other side of like, is it accessible? So can as many people access it as possible? Then is it easy? And then on, as like the cherry on top, does it look nice? Because when it hits all of those points or does do the aesthetics communicate something about how to use it or make it more accessible. So it's just like another tool in your toolbox for solving problems for people versus making something look nice just because somebody says it looks nice, if that makes sense. Sweet. All right. Well, let us now transition over to the LinkedIn post of the week. So this week's LinkedIn post of the week comes courtesy of Els Arts, absolute certified homie for sure. I'm going to read this post and there's some things I wanted to specifically pull out for you to react to, Aaron. Okay. The first thing that she starts with is so many companies love telling the corporate story. To summarize her thoughts, it's basically just saying like they're talking more about themselves as the company rather than the visitors. They don't care about that. And this is, and I quote, they want answers to their questions. They want to be able to do what they came for, not read your news or corporate site. Many companies find it problematic to talk about what visitors want versus how they view is important to themselves. There's a lot of shitty copy on websites. Yeah, that's politics. That's like corporate bullshit creeping from the office onto the homepage. When you see stuff like that, to me, it just says it shows me that the dysfunction internally and that somebody's ego want out over customer needs. If you want to solve that problem at its root of companies just, quote, telling their story and talking about themselves, that means there's somebody managing or leading that team or project that made it that way that is not customer centric. Right. So that is like a culture problem that needs to be solved at its root. And that typically goes like the whole way back up to the CEO or the founder or whatever. So in some cases, designers and CRO people, they're going to be problems like that. Political problems, power problems, ego problems. You can't solve it. You can only maybe try to stroke their ego in a way to say like, oh, I love that you've done this, blah, blah, blah. We can make you look even better, kind of like speak to their egos if that's how that kind of content got onto the site. Or maybe they just don't know. Maybe they genuinely don't know. But And that should be a unifying moment for CRO and designers together that they both have to deal with this bullshit, right? Yeah, totally. I think that's something that I've bonded with a lot of designers on is we both know shit sucks. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
I don't know, when you have that like asshole teacher and all the kids are in it together, it's the same thing when you go through this, or I guess a better example would be like in the Marines, you have that one hard ass drill instructor, right? And yeah. all of the Marines glow closer together because they have that one drill sergeant that's just scolding at them, yelling at them. The mutual hate bonds them together. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So that can be an opportunity for you to partner together with the designer to say like, you're forced to design this bullshit. I'm forced to test this bullshit. Maybe we could figure out better ways to like utilize our strengths to fight back against this. I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but I don't like to follow stupid rules and I don't often do what I'm told. Like there's, I just, it's, <laughs> I, I'm very bad at that. It's just not a strength that I have. Like if I don't understand why somebody's asking me to do something or if it seems illogical to me, I'll honestly just do what I want to do and just kind of ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I ignore things that I don't want to hear. It's really funny you say that because that puts you in the case of a designer, right? The, exactly what you described this whole episode. Aaron ticks by understanding problems and coming towards those solutions. If I just tell you to do something and I don't give you any problem statement or data, you're just like, yeah, fuck you. I'm just going to do what I want because your opinion is not better than mine. But also, you don't know how to do what I know how to do. So like when I think about all the jobs that I've had before, it was literally me designing the thing and writing the code. <laughs> all those yeah. stakeholders could tell me what to do. But at the end of the day, none of them actually knew how to put it live. And nobody like, you know what I mean? So that's just me being kind of stupid and I guess, arrogant in a way, but I like to think of it as arrogance for the purpose of helping customers and actually being the buffer between helping customers and the company that just wants to shove things in customers' faces. At the end of the day, if the CRO and the designer, you're the ones that can work together to actually make it happen, then I would just kind of do whatever I think is best and then make them come tell me that I've done something wrong and then be like, oops, sorry, you want to see the results? Yeah. And then hopefully at that point, I'll have had results that are good enough that they'll be like, okay, fine. Because that happens a lot too. And the unfortunate thing is if you are in a spot where all you're doing is what your boss's boss's boss tells you to do, and if you're a designer and you have no autonomy to actually design and you're a CRO and you have no autonomy to CRO, yeah. then I've had this unfortunate realization that there's just some companies and cultures that just don't support what a good CRO and a good designer can and should be doing. Yeah. The glass half full, the very negative pessimistic thing is take a step back and recognize like you might not be in a winnable situation. It might be worth to focus your time and effort. Same thing with designers. Sometimes you just have bad designers. And if yeah. you can't convince a bad designer that their design's bad with data, yeah. sometimes you have to take a step back and be like, this isn't the place for me to grow. Don't waste your energy. Like you can try in a couple of different ways to see if the stuff You absolutely is should. Is movable. Yeah, try it. Test it out. See. Don't put more energy into it than it's worth because there are some immovable rocks that you will never change their opinion ever. So I completely agree with that. Same thing for companies. If companies are not understanding what you're there to do and they don't appreciate you taking the ball and running with it and doing something better than they could have imagined, just go somewhere else. <laughs> We're all about empowerment here on this podcast. This so what better to have... <laughs> Who better to have on the empowerment front than Aaron? All she does is win. Weigel. Do whatever you want as long as it's winning. Weigel, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Aaron, do you have anything you want to plug? I know you have a dope ass book coming out in a little bit, which you've completed. Oh my God. It's, uh, no, not yet. Yes, I have completed okay. <laughs> 100%. 
of the written manuscript, which has been reviewed by people much smarter than me, and they have helped me fix all of the mistakes that I've made. And then I edited it again and hopefully didn't add more mistakes back in after that. But I'm currently illustrating everything now, and I'm very tired, and I don't want to anymore, Shiva. Can you do it for me? Uh, no. Crap. I could do really good stick figures. That's cool. It's about the limitation of my artistic skills, which is why I ask designers who are better at me at designing to do it. And my problem is I can't design and the solution is designer does it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. So I need a designer. So where can they find you, Aaron? I'm usually just a little gremlin sitting at home in my home office wearing a Snuggie. So if you mean physically in my office by myself, if you're talking about on the Internet where I like to creep and yell at people on the Internet like Shiva and why we're friends now, you can find my website at AaronDoesThings.com. I intentionally kept it broad. I am not a niche person. I do a lot of different things or on LinkedIn as well. And the rest of the platforms I just completely ignore. I'm just basically on LinkedIn posting things. That's it. Make sure you guys go follow Erin on her LinkedIn. Go check out Erin Does Things and check out her book that should be coming out in shortly. Yeah, I think it's like early 2024. It should be released. It's almost done. Almost done. And if you're new to this podcast, please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, give us five stars. Don't give us one stars. We don't want one stars. Only five. Only five. Only six. Only six out of fives. Yes, that's we want the average to be above 100%. You math so good, Shiva. You were such a day. I am person. really good at the maths. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us at another episode of From A to B. 